Good morning. This is Pastor Todd. Thank you for tuning in to the Gathering Place podcast. This week, a guest speaker is going to bring a special message for the church. Here is this week's special message. So we are, am I on? Okay, so we are continuing our uh, sermon series on Hebrews 2, and I'm titling this, Pay Attention, Keep Focus. The very first verse of Hebrews 2 says, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. I, I, uh, was praying about this, and the Lord said, again, remind our church of our our mission statement and pay attention that you don't drift away from our mission statement, which which is uh, we pray that you guys encounter the love of Christ so that you have the presence of Christ. So... um, Sorry, I lost the mission statement to encounter his power. So encounter his love, presence, and power. And so the Lord told me to remind you of those things and what it takes so that you pay attention and don't drift away from it. Um, Ephesians, and part of that is not just our church not drifting away from our mission statement, but really encountering and being anchored in his love, his power, and his presence. Um, <clears throat> Ephesians 4, 14 through 16 says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow in we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. For whom, and from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So as we, as we remain in his love and we're not blown away, we, have, we experience his presence and so that we can exhibit through Christ working on us his power. Um, <clears throat> so focus, our focus is to be anchored in his love, anchored in his presence, and anchored in his power. First, anchored in his love. Hebrews 2, 2 through... 10 here. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation of disobedience received as just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to, to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs wonders, and various miracles, 
and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come, about which we are speaking, but there is a place where someone has testified. What is mankind that you are mindful of them, a son of man that you care for them? You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. Putting everything under them, God left nothing that is subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone, bringing many sons and daughters to glory. It was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. So how are we anchored in his love? We are anchored <clears throat> by the fact that first he offered salvation to us. We are anchored in his love by accepting that salvation, accepting what Christ did for us. He came to, uh, came, he made himself a little lower than the angels so that he could offer salvation to us by coming to earth. He perfected our salvation. Being anchored so that you don't drift away, remembering the truth of when you accepted Christ as your savior. Um, the, every, for everyone, this, this experience is a little different, but we all have the common thing, thing. We believe in Jesus Christ. For one person that I know, they came to Christ when they were four, and they had chicken pox, and they were scared to death that it was, they did something bad, <laughs> and they got chicken pox, and they were going to die because they did something bad. <laughs> and he said, with my, uh, you know, I was in a Christian household, and I told mom, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And she said, why don't you want to die? Because I don't know Jesus. And in his little four-year-old mind, he knew that if he died, he would not see Jesus. And his parents, because he had chicken pox, led him to Christ. Another, another person I know, he was, two, two people I know. Um, so the, there's this little old lady, she wasn't so old at that time. She was in her 20s, 30s, and was raising your kids and thought, it, it's a good thing to take your kids to church. They get morals. So she took them to church, and through a Bible study, her friend led her, her to Christ. Well, her husband was a mean drunk, and would scream and yell and, and do not nice things. And um, he, uh, he said, you can take our kids to church, but 
but that's it. I'm not going with you, you know? And so she said, this testimony said she would do every, anything that the church said. So the pastor said, read your Bible. She would read her Bible. The pastor said, uh, fill in vacation Bible study. So she would fill in, for, you know, help with vacation Bible study. The pastor said, pray for your missionaries. So she would pray for her missionaries. And she would pray for her husband that he would come to know Christ. And so the pastor said, you should tithe. So she didn't know what to do because she knew her husband wouldn't accept it. And her husband was the breadwinner. But she went to her husband and said, the pastor says I'm supposed to give a tenth of my money to the church. And it, we're not as legalistic in this church, but this is back in the 70s, probably maybe 80s. And, and, uh, and the husband says, the first time those bills don't get paid, you, I'm taking you out of that church. And so she faithfully gave a tenth of what their family was. Well, then the, the statement at the end of the year came in the mail, and he got the mail. And he was so mad that she gave this amount of money to the church. And he went down. He's like, I'm going to give the pastor a piece of my mind. And he went down and started yelling, but the, was going to, but the Lord broke him, and he accepted Christ. And that was the last day he drank a, a thing of alcohol, and his family was changed. His family was changed. His family was instrumental of bringing me to Christ. His family was changed. His son, one of his sons is, a, is head of missionaries in the Assembly of God church right now um, over the Caribbean. I think it's the Caribbean now. It used to be Europe. Um, a life changed. A life changed. No matter what how you came to Christ, to a little girl who was broken on a camp, in, at a camp, and the pastor said, for God so loved Kara, that he gave his only begotten son, that if Kara believes in him, she shall have everlasting life. Being anchored in that love of Christ that came to you, no matter if you were a four-year-old with chicken pox, a little girl who was broken, or a man in his 30s that was an alcoholic. And, and, and um, was angry and a family that was transformed. Because the love of Christ breaks, breaks in to families, but it first breaks in and anchors your soul to him. It anchors so that you're not able to be drifted away when the trials of life comes. The, ne the, the next um, 
thing I was asked to remind you about. Um, sorry, I lost connection. One, two, <laughs> come on, <laughs> reconnect here. Um, anyway, uh, so for uh, in support to that, First John six for First John four seven through seven through twelve says, "Dear friends, let us love one another from God." A little technical difficulty. Okay. Um, everyone from God, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever, whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete. Our our relationship is with Jesus is all about his sacrifice. It's all about being anchored in his love. Next, it's about being anchored in his presence. Hebrew, going back to Hebrews 2, 11 through 13. But the one who makes holy and those who are made holy are the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters in the assembly. I will sing your praises. Again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here am I and the children God has given me. How are we anchored in his presence? We are anchored that he is our family. We are anchored in his presence that it's all about him being with us. It's all about his relationship with us. We don't serve a God who's up in the heavens saying, hey, let's, let's make trouble for this person and let's give this person good things. No, he's with us. He's living with us. He's a living God who shows us the way, the truth, and the life, how, how we can have abundant life through him. Um, we, are his, uh, we are his brothers and sisters. His father acknowledges us as his child. 1 John 3, 1 says, See what love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. We are his child. We have every, everything we need and desire because he's with us, he's presence. He's Emmanuel, he's God with us. That's one of his name, is Emmanuel, God with us.
Um, John 8, 31 and through 36. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you really... You are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abram's descendants, and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who is a sin who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it. Forever. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So once you have accepted his love of salvation, you are his son or daughter, and he has set you free from the sin, and he won't flee from you. He won't leave you. Um, Psalms, and you can't leave his presence because you're with him. You can't leave him. You may think you're leaving him. You may have times, but you can't flee him. He's always there seeking the prodigals back, seeking the child back. And he, and he will come to you running with arms. Psalms 139.7 says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day. The darkness is as light to you. Even if we're in the darkest spot of our life, and we have said, there is no God, but we have accepted him as our Savior, our, our, our soul will cry out, this is not the truth. This is not the truth. And we can trust those who are walking through that night that the light will shine through to them again. So, Lord, we do pray for those walking in the darkness right now, those prodigals in our lives that have darkness around them, that the darkness is appealing to them, Lord. Lord, remind them that the light is there. Lord, help them turn on the light again. Lord, help them not flee your presence, Lord, thinking with shame and guilt, Lord, because you break through shame and guilt. In Jesus' name, amen. Lastly, we need to be anchored in his power. Going back to Hebrews 2, 14 through 18, 
since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not the angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to be maimed like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, that he might make atonement for the sins of the people, because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. How are we anchored in his power? First, we must acknowledge that we can't do it ourselves. It's him working through us. It's him working through us to break the chains that try to come back on us. He's broken those chains once and for all, but we try to pick up the ends of the chains and we might be cut for a little while. But the Lord says, drop those chains. Drop those chains, because I have the power. I've cut those. I've cut those in your life. So flee from the temptation. Flee, and we know that he, he suffered when he was tempted. He was hungry in the desert. He, he could have had all the power. He could have, but he suffered in the desert so that he, so that we have an example that when we are tempted, we know we can overcome that temptation. Um, Romans 1, 16 through 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. But it all goes back to knowing how much you're loved loved. You can't, you can't exhibit God's power working through you until you know the salvation aspect. If you don't know the salvation and the love of his salvation, it's all, it's all show. It's all for nothing. Um, it's the gospel that allows you to have his power. The gospel that breaks the chains. It's the gospel, though, that also allows you to serve God, serve others, be selfless in your love. I've watched to hear be very selfless the last uh, almost year in their love. I mean, the best pot cleaner ever here. <laughs> you know, like, it, it, wonderful baker and cooker, food-wise, but it takes selfless and not them 
doing it in their own power. Because if they did it in their own power, I've seen people do it in their own power. Why, why do I have to be the one always cleaning this dish? Uh, you know, like, but they have Christ in them. And Christ in them doesn't put that, that, that tendency of human kindness of because you want to see the best in your fellow brother and sister. I want to see the best worship come out of fine. I want to see the best building of relationship out of one. I want to see the best pouring into little ones out of Todd and Shannon. I want to see the best for Debbie that she knows who she is in Christ. I want to see the best in you guys. And if that takes me being less, I hope that's our, all our wish, is that we be less to encourage our fellow Christians. And that Christ is exhibited through us, our servant's heart. Um, and that's true power, is lives being changed, lives being encouraged, the body being edified, the body being, being lifted up so that people can see where our joy is coming from and want that joy of salvation in us. Want to know why, why even, why we aren't sad when we see a fellow fa a family member going to Christ and death. Because we have hope that we know, without a doubt, we'll see that family member again. Or want to know, why, why did your marriage last 60 years? Why has it lasted? You know, 60 years. Jenny and Don, you know? It's because you're gra grounded in Christ. And his power makes it possible to have a marriage that lasts 60 years. It's his power, being anchored in his power, not our own strength. Um, First Corinthians 10, 11 through 13 says, these things happen to them as examples, as were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way so that you can endure it. So we have uh, the other thing uh, um, about his power. We have the power to resist temptation and res resist the devil when we're anchored in his love and his presence also in our life. 
we we <clears throat> he provides ways out and we, um for when we are tempted you know whether that's strengthening you, yourself up before the temptation comes or having a trusted friend when that temptation comes i'm really struggling with unforgiveness can you come and pray for me um, with me so that I can forgive this this person who wronged me or you know there's so many other temptations that we have but or or building yourself up that says Christ forgave me I can forgive this person getting scripture and the the strongest way, one of the strongest ways for me is making sure I'm in the Word. I mean, I know a lot of us know this already, but being in the Word, combating, uh, combating temptations, combating thoughts with the Word does so much in, in able to walk the walk the Lord wants us to. And able to walk a powerful, loving walk to others. So, in conclusion, we are to be, fo uh, we are to have our focus and pay attention that we are anchored in His love, anchored in His presence, and anchored in His power. I, um, the last day or so, been going back to the old hymn, um, on, it, it's on, um, on Christ the solid rock I stand. That hymn says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but will wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rust on his unchanging grace. Every high and stormy gale my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood when all around my soul gives way. He then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with the trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ this rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When our hope is built on Jesus, we are anchored in his love. We are anchored in his presence. And we are anchored in his power. This is Pastor Todd again. 
Thank you for listening to the message today. I pray the Lord uses it to strengthen your walk with God. If you were blessed by this message and would like to support the ministry of the Gathering Place financially, I encourage you to use our online giving portal at tgpchicago.org. Once again, that is tgpchicago.org. Our portal uses PayPal's secure site so none of your information is compromised. Once again, thank you for tuning in to the TGP Podcast. God bless you and have a great week.